We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, Different Jesus. A series that looks at the things we take for granted about Jesus and shows us a different picture. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. I want you to imagine with me a massive church building. You know. One of those huge ones they got out in the suburbs, okay? And it's hard for us to imagine as we're sitting in the parking lot, right? (laughs) Gathering together. And uh, this is the building we normally meet inside of, the school. But I want you to imagine me one of those massive church buildings that can fit thousands of people. And during one of the services, a man walks inside. You know, before service, everybody's mingling around. And this man walks in, but he looks a little bit different. He looks a little bit frazzled. His clothes are worn out. He smells. He looks like he might live on the street. He tries to go up and talk to some people, some random groups of people, and they kind of ignore him, kind of wave him away. They kind of, they kind of try to, <laughs> to go on. They feel uncomfortable and, and somehow as the service starts, this man finds himself at the front and sits in the front. And everybody's kind of pointing and whispering, like, what's this guy going to do? They're all worried. And then some ushers come up and ask him to move back because the front row is reserved. Service starts. They go through the service. And when it gets to this point where the person gets up to speak the message, they say, we want to welcome a guest speaker. And guess who walks to the front? <laughs> That guy walks to the front. He was the guest speaker, and he came there, and he was going to speak on caring for the poor, looking at the broken, and seeing people differently. And he wanted to test and see how this church does at that. This is a true story, okay? Actually, if you look it up, you can find like tons of pastors who have tried this. I thought about doing it this morning, but I felt like it would just be too much of a shock for all of us, right? Uh, just, just coming in and shocking people and seeing what they would do. Um, and it really showed how the church cared for the broken. Well, this morning, you are joining New Life Rogers Park, New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. Like I said, we normally meet inside this building. We have been out of this building. Space. We met in this parking lot last fall for over four months now. And this is the first time we've been able to meet in person in a long time. Can I get some celebration? Right? Yes. Woo! It is great to be back in person. I'm glad that all of you are here are joining us. And I also want to welcome everyone that is watching online. I want to let you know that there is no shame at all for watching online. We recognize this is a crazy time. I'm glad that some of you feel comfortable to come. And I'm glad that some of you are still able to watch online due to technology. As Corey said, we're going to continue to, to meet here as much as the weather allows. The principal has been gracious to allow us to meet outside here and just pray with us pray with us that the doors would open for us to go inside as well in god's timing amen Amen. so uh my name is galen i'm a pastor here in rogers park with this church 
I'm kind of losing my voice today, so bear with me. I don't know why it's been like the last couple of days, like losing it a little bit. I think I've just been talking too much. It's not usually my problem, but... Uh, so how many of you saw our series last week called A Different Jesus? Did, did any of you see a different side of Jesus than you were used to? You're like, no, that, that's the normal Jesus. <laughs> okay, I didn't do my job very well. So today, we're continuing our series called The Different Jesus. And I know you can't even see this screen really, but Different Jesus. And we're going to look at the ways that Jesus appears a little bit different than what we've come to expect or know. We're going to continue to do this all the way up to Easter. And this series comes out of the realization that all of us, all of us, hear me on this, all of us have a false view of Jesus in some way, in some way. Now, stay with me, stay with me, okay? You're like, no, I don't. My way is the true way. Hang with me, okay? All of us have taken things that people have said about Jesus, maybe that people have done in his name, and even though those things are not who Jesus is, we have assumed them into us, right? We've, we've assumed that that is who Jesus is, that that's the way that Jesus is and if you want to follow Jesus, that's how you, who you have to become, okay? All of us have let our own biases, our cultural norms, the way that we grew up, right? Our relational influence to cause us to have a certain type of, of Jesus in our minds, a certain type of Jesus follower. That, that's what it means to follow Jesus. And if they're not that way, then adios, okay? That's how we, all of us have this, okay? And last week we looked at some different artist depictions. I have some pictures, but I think we're going to skip it because I don't think you guys can even see it. You can pull up the first one. Can you guys see hipster Jesus? Just imagine me, except looking a little bit like Jesus, okay? Well, maybe you, that's kind of how it looks. But hipster Jesus, okay? All of us make Jesus into our own image. I got several images, and I realized after I made this, I'm like, no one's going to even be able to see this, so I guess it doesn't matter. But if you look throughout cultures, you can see different artist depictions, right? If you look at, uh, I have a picture of a Japanese Jesus, really, Japanese Christians made Jesus, and he looks Japanese, right? That's how we are. That's just in our art, right? Like we make, we make Jesus our own image. I was reminded of this, that this, this really came to play in our church in an in a important way. When we used to meet at a church building that had a stained glass image of Jesus, okay? And it was this white European Jesus, and I was talking with someone this week, and they let me know it was a Swedish Jesus. I didn't even know it was Swedish, okay? So Swedish people built this church, so they made Jesus look Swedish, okay? And it's nothing against them. Everybody does it, right? But that was what was happening. And we rented this church building, and the pastor at the time, Pastor Dwayne, our founding pastor, he was like, man, I just am not okay with having all our worship services with white Jesus up behind us. So he would have us put these black, like, drapes over the stained glass, Okay. The church we were renting from, which I know some of you here were actually a part of that church, and I'm sorry if I'm like bringing up a wound, okay? But uh, you were like very, this church was very like unsure why we were covering up Jesus for our services, okay? I wasn't really even in the decision process. My job, I was the peon at the time, I had to climb a 20-foot rickety ladder and hang these drapes up once before and then take them down after okay i was like i'm like why am i risking my life to cover up jesus okay so i also had a kind of a problem with it because i didn't think it was worth it and see what this as i was thinking about this week it shows me is like some people were totally okay without jesus right 
And then and some people were not, right? Like they're like, that's not who Jesus is to me. That's not who represents me. And it's not to say any either group was wrong. It just shows the way that we depict Jesus sometimes in our own image, right? Are you following me? So we we've done a lot of, if you're familiar with the term, deconstruction around this topic. Okay? It's like pulling things apart. We look back on our history as the church and I I am like the chief of this. I love to deconstruct things and find out why we did things and why we get this. And you can look back and we can be hurt a lot by the ways that we've represented Jesus and viewed Jesus. I'm reminded of the, the, the white Jesus that was put on flags hundreds of years ago and used in the front as, as wars were moved forward. And if you're familiar with the, the holy wars that were used to, in Jesus' name, we're killing people, Right? And even, even the way that Jesus has become intertwined with America, and God bless America, right? And the ways that I, I was reading stories about Christians in the Middle East during the, 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 the war that was happening over there, who were wondering, why is Jesus bombing us? Why is Jesus bombing us? Because in their minds, Jesus had become so intertwined with America that they saw it as Jesus bombing us, right? Bombing them. They, they couldn't understand it. it. And that just goes to show some of the depths of how the ways we view Jesus can be really helpful or really harmful, right? The way we view Jesus can be really accurate or it can be very inaccurate. We can worship him for who he is, as this book tells us, or we can make him into our own image and use him as the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card, Right? Like, as long as I do something and say it was Jesus' name behind it, then it's all good, right? (laughs) No one can question me. And believe me, every culture has done this. We're very very harsh on on white European culture, but I believe me, every culture does this. And not even with Jesus, with every religion, right? They use religion as a tool to use their own means. But we've seen Jesus specifically used in that way, and we can claim Jesus is on our side. And that's why it's so important that we see a different Jesus this morning. We want to see Jesus how he actually is in this book. And that takes a lot of work, a lot of work, because I'm just as biased as you, right? I grew up with all my own biases. And so I've been praying a lot as I've been going through this series. It's probably been one of the harder series for me to like think through and wrestle because I recognize how easily I put my own view into things. I see Jesus in my image, how am I going to get up here and tell you <laughs> to not see him in your image? Instead, look at him in my image. So instead, I'm just asking the Spirit, God, help me to see things in here differently. The way that they are, not because of my own influence. And that's, that's really the Holy Spirit. So if you could pray with me as I preach, may God do that in each of us this morning and bring out, allow us to see Jesus a little bit differently this morning. The way that Jesus actually is. So let me just pray. Let me just pray. Jesus, we have all assumed many things of you. And we've been hurt and broken by others that have assumed things of you and put you in a box, God. We don't want to go outside of your scriptures and what you tell us here, but we don't want to add to it either. God, may we truly see you this morning. Open our hearts to see you 
May we take away the lenses that we have, even, even right now the walls that may be going up as we're talking about some of these things. God, would you, you allow them to break down a little bit by your spirit, not because of me or any words, but you, Jesus. I just pray this in your name. Amen. So this morning I want to ask us the same question that that guest speaker asked as he came in, right? Remember way back, like two hours ago when I first started talking here? Uh, when, when the guest speaker came in and he asked them, hey, how are you doing with loving the poor, with loving the broken, with loving and seeing people the way Jesus does? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have a Bible with you, Believe me, if you have a phone, you have a Bible with you, okay? That's, that's, the, that's the little secret. You can actually use your phone for that instead of all the Facebook scrolling or whatever else you do. Uh, you can look up Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. This Bible contains four biographies of Jesus, four different tellings of Jesus and his life. We looked last week at Luke. This week we're going to look at Mark. Okay, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. All of these are inspired by God. They tell us about Jesus. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, I loved uh, Georgette's version. It was like the King James. And you have the, thus he took off his cloaketh, or whatever it was. And I was like, man, that's awesome. So verse 46, I'm reading from the NIV. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples Together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, okay, just so you know, was sitting by the roadside begging. So our story, story starts off during a period in Jesus' life where he's traveling around ministering to people in cities. Right? This is what Jesus was doing for much of his early life. He would just travel around, he would go into a city, he would preach, he would heal people, he would cast out demons, and then he would go on to the next city and do the same thing. Okay? So he goes into Jericho, the city, and this is the same Jericho, you know, march around it seven times, walls fall down. Yeah, I'm familiar with that, sorry. But it's a city, and it's still around. It's in, it's in the West Bank and in Palestine. Right now, you can go and visit Jericho. Jesus went into Jericho, and it doesn't tell us what he was doing there. Or what he did. Instead, it zooms out and says, as he was leaving the city. Right? Skips a whole bunch. As he was leaving the city, this key thing happened. Right? You see, just like today, if you want to go around and ask for money from people, what is the most important thing? Go where they're at, right? Location, location, location. Right? If you're going to go and stand behind this bus and ask people, you're probably not going to get too many people, okay? So you're going to want to go somewhere where there's a lot of people. And in the old days where there was walls around a city, the one place where everybody had to go was through the gate, okay? So you had everybody going into the city of Jericho through the gate and everybody going out through the gate. Needless to say, if you want to ask for money, that's where you would stand, right? And so this man, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, we can call him Bart, Okay, and not like the Simpsons, but actually Bart was his nickname, I'm sure, because no one wanted to say a four-syllable name, Bartimaeus, right? Bart is standing on the side, he's blind, he's standing there begging, and everyone passing by him sees him. The only problem is, anybody who wanted to beg, this is the spot to go. So imagine with me, hundreds of people asking for money, 
Right, right now I look, there's 20,000 people living in Jericho. Okay, right, right now. So let's just say 10,000 people live there then. I don't know. There's probably thousands of people and there's maybe at least 100 or 200 people that would be out at the street begging as people walk by. What happens, like with all of us who live in Chicago, it becomes white noise. Right, you familiar with that term? Where it's just like, like in the background, right? Like you're so familiar to it that you just ignore it. It wasn't like one guy, one blind guy, that's how we think of it, just Bartimaeus sitting by himself. There was probably hundreds of people asking for things. Hundreds of people, maybe worse than Bartimaeus who was blind. Maybe there's people that were missing limbs, people that were just like barely surviving, right? Bartimaeus is sitting there and he's, he's, he's begging, it says. And uh, I don't know, maybe he like was living on the street. Maybe his parents were taking care of him. Whatever the case was, he was sitting there and he would get to the gate every day and ask for money. And Bart must have heard of everything that Jesus was doing in the city. Must have been pet traveling through. Because he hears, like he hears over, over top of all this crowd, he hears a huge crowd going by and that Jesus is in them, is in the crowd. And so look at, he starts to yell and scream. Look at verse 47. He starts to yell, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's what he starts to yell. Okay. Now, Jesus could probably not hear him. Because I'm assuming, it says he was surrounded by a crowd of followers. We know at least he had 12 disciples, but most likely it was like maybe 100 people, a couple hundred people were following him. Sometimes it says it was thousands were following Jesus. And then let alone all the people going in and out of the city. So this man is yelling, right? And on top of that, even if Jesus did hear him, Jesus got done ministering in this whole city. And usually every time he was ministering, he would not get any sleep. He's like leaving the city. He's probably going to go out somewhere with his disciples and rest and eat some food and chill. And he's going out and all these beggars are like pounding on things, trying to get like attention, trying to get somehow get somebody to give him money. And all everybody would hear is white noise. It just blends in. In the middle of all of this, one guy starts screaming, Jesus, please have mercy on me. Everybody was tired. They wanted to get out of the city, get to a place where they could rest. But Bart doesn't stop. He just keeps yelling, Jesus, have mercy on me, Jesus. And I imagine he's gotten up and he's stumbling along beside the crowd yelling, okay? I'm just imagining that. He's probably still sitting down. They must have just been stuck moving slow. I don't know. But some of the followers of Jesus did what they thought was best for Jesus. Let's keep this guy away from Jesus, okay? This guy, he's crazy. Uh, we've helped too many people. And they start yelling at the guy to shut it. I kid you not. That's what they start yelling. They start telling, they start telling, shut up. Don't bother Jesus. Be quiet. Right? Look at verse 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And this guy, he, he was relentless, right? He didn't care anymore. And I'm sure if Jesus actually heard Bart yelling, I'm not sure if he did, but I'm sure there was so much noise he couldn't have by wonder if he heard his followers yelling, shut up, right? Like, he's probably like, what, what are these, these, these guys doing now, right? Like, they're telling somebody to be quiet. I need to check into this. Because Jesus stops. Look at verse 49. He, Jesus stopped and said, call him. Call him. Verse 49. Now, do you ever have a point in your life where everything changes? Can you, you, you know, like you look back and like there was like a turning point in my life. I remember like there's like one memory I have that was such a turning point in my life that I didn't even realize. You see, I was 
high school was just obsessed with skateboarding, okay? And now, yeah, I know. You're like, what? I'll bring my skateboard sometime. We'll do some tricks. Uh, I would skateboard for like 14 hours a day sometimes. I was so obsessed. My, my, my life plan was professional skateboarder, okay? You can imagine my parents were very happy. Uh, and I was pursuing that. That was my goal. And I remember one time I was hanging out in one of my friend's house named Bobby. Bobby, if you're listening, what up? And we were hanging out. I was probably in like 10th grade. And his older sister had bought a bass, like a bass guitar, okay? It was sitting there unused, dusty, because, of course, you know, it was just the cool thing to do, I guess, buy it. And we're sitting down there so bored, so we get this bass out, and we're, like, trying to figure it out, okay? Like, how to plug it in, how to use it. And it, we eventually got it hooked in. And I remember strumming the first string on the bass, and something, like, clicked in my brain. And I became so obsessed with music, okay? Like, I stopped skateboarding. I picked up the guitar. I spent the 14 hours instead playing guitar, okay? And I would... I, I, I literally started a band we started like playing around during all of high school i ended up going to college for music that directed my life for years i ended up getting involved in the church doing music because i became a christian about the same time and then i came here to chicago to go to music the music program that moody had and my life was completely changed because of that moment and i look back and it's like literally like one of they talk, call it those flashball moments or whatever or photo what is it called a uh, flashball Light bulb, light bulb moment, you know, where you can just remember, like, I can remember the room. Like, it's just so crazy. Because it was such a turning point in my life that I didn't even realize till later how much that redirected my life. Small thing, right? All of us have those moments. And I don't know if Bart knew that this was a turning point. But I'm pretty sure for the rest of his life, everything changed from the moment that Jesus said, come here, from before it. Do you see what I'm saying? You believe me? You don't even know the end of the story yet, but Jesus said, come here. His life is about to change, and nothing will be the same anymore. See, this morning, I want us to see a different Jesus as we look at how he saw this man. That's how he saw this man, because I think this will show us how to see people like Jesus does. Like Jesus does. What happened? What happened with, with Bart? Everybody say Bart. Bart. What happened with Bart? Jesus noticed him. That's what we got to see first. I'm sure there were hundreds of people all screaming and yelling. One man calling Jesus' name and Jesus saw him. Right? Oh, sure. You know. We know Jesus cares about people, right? We're like, yeah, this is not the most profound thing you've ever said. And that Jesus was doing all this healing and all this crazy stuff. But this is a different image of Jesus than we like to see, okay? Let me tell you why. Because, you know, Jesus allowed his plans to get interrupted. Jesus allowed his plans to get interrupted. Let me tell you. Do you ever remember a time in the Bible, if you've read it or heard about Jesus, or do you ever remember a time where Jesus said, nah, I'm too busy, right? Like, is that how you think of Jesus? Or like, sorry, like, I already have plans, you know? Like, Jesus never allowed his busyness 
to keep him from seeing people. Right? Jesus doesn't see like us. We see problems, inconveniences, issues, something that needs to be solved. We see someone who is either like us or not like us. We see an issue that we can solve or we can't, right? Or we see something that will take our time or it won't. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't see any of those things. This is the first thing we got to see about Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this a little bit more. But number one is Jesus sees people. Jesus sees, like with his eyes, he sees people people. He sees people. And, and you're probably not getting it yet, but we're, you'll see, you'll see. We, we have to start here this morning or it won't go anywhere. You got, you got to get this in order to see the different Jesus this morning. You see, we become you, too used to problems, too used to seeing things as too busy or overwhelming. Um, when we see someone with problems, we automatically assume that we've got too many of our own, right? Like, uh, yeah, like, I don't know if I can even help you. That's not how Jesus thinks. I mean, think about it. Jesus was on his way to die. He's got like one of his close followers about to betray him and he's stealing money from the bag, okay? And he's got all of his other followers are always fighting. He's constantly not getting any sleep. Uh, He relies on so many people just to provide his basic needs. And I think Jesus could have said, yeah, like I'm not dealing with this. That's, we don't got any of those things, and we would not be dealing with it, right? And that's how Jesus is. For Jesus, the end doesn't drive everything that he does, right? Like the end, where he's going, doesn't drive everything that he does. People are the end. And this isn't to say that people are so great and we deserve all the attention. Not at all. It shows Jesus' heart, right? He loves people. He loves people. He sees people. When he looks at you, he sees a person made in the image of God. Everyone. That's how he sees people. It's easy for us to say, but that's Jesus. But what if following Jesus meant seeing people that way? Think about this. Every person is made in the image of God. Every person ever. Jesus knows their names, their problems, the things that they are worried about, their upbringings, and he doesn't wash it all together. Think about some of the prayers that we make. I think about this. If anyone has an excuse to turn off our problems, it's probably God. Some of our, our prayers, you know, I mean, so I was seeing some of the things people were just hoping for during the pandemic, like, God, please open the hair salon because I need a haircut. You know, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, man. You know, or like, God, can you please get the movie theater open because Star Wars is going to get delayed, okay? Or, or uh, <laughs> please, can you get my boyfriend to just buy me some flowers, right? Like, these are some of the prayers that God hears and he knows. <laughs> It'd be so easy to tune out. Along with, he hears things like, please provide some food for me because I haven't eaten in three days. Or, please help me escape from my abusive husband. Or, please keep me from getting beat up today at school. God hears all these things. The things that in our minds may be like super petty to all the way to super needed, right? God hears them all, and it'd be so easy for them, since he hears them all the time, to just hear white noise. But Jesus sees Bart, okay? That's what we got to notice here. He sees him when no one else does anymore. He sees people as made in his image. Even the craziest people have been made in his image, right? Like the people you can't even relate with, like the rich investment banker that works downtown or 
maybe the poor woman who's just living off of food stamps, or the liberal college student spends all their time working on the environment, or the racist skinhead that's out there smashing things. You got the gangbangers, the politicians, the people with disabilities. God sees each of them as people. Every single one. Every single one. Jesus sees them. Jesus sees people. And how many of you feel the numbness that creeps up in in a city like Chicago when there's so many needs? So many needs, right? So much brokenness. So so overwhelming. And along that, we also have access to our phones, which we also have access to the numbness of our world, right? Like, we hear all the brokenness that's happening everywhere, and we're right there because it's all live-streamed, right? We see the most, like, heartbreaking things constantly. I remember when my nephew came to visit Brooks' side of the family, and we all went down to the zoo. And where... uh, where he's from, it's not as like in your face, right? As Chicago is the disparity of like rich and poor, brokenness and wealthy. And, you know, uh, and we were walking out of the zoo. I remember there was a guy that was just asking for money. And he's like, why is he doing that? He's like seven years old. He was walking with me. We were like pretty far ahead. I was holding his hand. And he was like, why is he doing that? And I was like, oh, he just has some needs. He's like, let's give him something. I was like, I don't have anything. And he's like, oh, okay. And then we're walking a little more. He's like, I'm scared. I was like, why are you scared? He's like, I don't know. That guy's scaring me. And so I was able to just talk with him. I'm like, he's just a person. You know, he just has some needs. He's out here. He has no other way. And it was just like eye-opening for me because for me, I didn't really even notice the guy, to be honest. I'm just being like transparent, right? Like, you know, I'm just like you. We just get like used to it and I don't got anything. So I don't think about it, right? But he saw it and his heart was like broken by it. And he was even just scared by the fact that this was happening, right? And I feel like in that moment, I was able to see, see a little bit differently, a little bit differently to see, see the way Jesus did. And then like five minutes later, you know, became numb again, like all of you, right? And that's how Jesus sees all the time. And maybe you're sitting here thinking like, no one sees me. I have my own issues. I have my own stuff. Like, I'm sure that person has problems, but so do I. Let me tell you, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. And as, as we think about Jesus seeing people, it's easy to always look like, oh, Jesus sees someone else. But I think, like, also we need to remember that Jesus sees us as made in his image. And the things that we worry about, even getting our hair cut, right, he even cares. He may think, like, he may be like, you can go without a haircut and your pride and vanity is going to be okay. But he still listens, and he still cares about you. And maybe you're struggling with, I don't know if my job's secure. I don't know if I'm going to get this space. I don't know if the next tomorrow is guaranteed. Jesus sees that, and he cares about that. We're going to talk a little bit more about what he does, but I think it's helpful just to know that he knows, that the God of the universe isn't distant. He sees you, and he sees your image, and he knows who you are. But this also means that Jesus sees the people that are different than us, that think differently than us, that look differently than us, that vote differently than us, that value things differently than us as people, as made in his image. I think we need to first start with this. Jesus sees people, right? Like, It's not like he just sees 
people. Like he sees people. When he looks around, he sees humans. He sees people made in the image of God. He doesn't see groups. He doesn't see just like a, a mesh of color. He sees each person individually. He knows their name and he cares about them. The worst of sinners he cares about. <laughs> Believe me, some of us are on that list. We don't think so, but we are, right? We'll put other people on that list, but literally he sees them as people. Let's keep going. Jesus yells, call him. So they called up the blind man. Verse 49. They called to the blind man, cheer up <laughs> on your feet. He's calling you, okay? Like <laughs> throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. So Jesus sees this man and all the people around are like, uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> Jesus wants to see you. Come on, buddy. Right, Bart, get on your feet. Let's go. Uh, and so he runs over to Jesus and Jesus, look what he says. What do you want me to do for you? Now, if you've heard this story before, you already know what's going to happen, but just stop for a second and notice that Jesus didn't assume anything. Right? Like, we'd be like, uh, okay, like, I know the story. Or the fact that he's blind and you heal people that are blind, Jesus. Maybe just heal him. It's probably what he wants. But maybe some other people were thinking, like, uh, maybe he needs some money. Judas, get up here, okay? Give him some money. or some money in the Lord's name. Bless you, go. Okay? Or... Maybe they were like, you need to follow Jesus. Here's a rope. Hold on to this. We're going to the next city, right? Like, there could have been many, many things that could have happened that they were saying, like, this is what he needs. Right? But Jesus, he didn't assume. Look what Jesus do. Jesus listens. Number two, Jesus listens. Part of the fact that he sees people and that you're made in the image of God is that you actually have like this autonomous ability to actually interact with God. And he allows you to do that. He doesn't force you to do anything. Right? And so he listens to this man. I think it's just interesting. He doesn't just quickly like, okay, heal you, I gotta go. Like he's like, what do you want me to do? Remember, different Jesus. Different Jesus. What do we do whenever we see a problem? We start telling everyone our expertise. Oh, I know how to fix this. I know what the person needs. Right? And I, I, I mean, a lot of us have like a savior complex, right? Like we just like really want to feel like that. We helped someone. So we just like dive in. We start doing things without actually even thinking if it's helpful for someone. Even asking them what they want. We don't start, you know, it's just so interesting. I, I was listening to a podcast about this, about how even how there's so much racial conflict in the U.S. right now. And so many people assume the answer, right? They assume they have the moral high ground, whether it's liberal or conservative, and they assume the answer and they go with a plan. And this podcast was talking about how about we just like stop for a second, coming up with a ton of plans that leaves more broken people and actually find out, like ask the people that are hurting what actually they need, right? Like we always just assume they're not able to think for themselves or we, whatever we put in our brains, right? instead of actually listening to people. For us, it changes the way, if we see there's a person, that it changes the way we have to interact. If there's a problem, let's try to fix it. If there's a person, then we need to do something differently. Right? Look at what Jesus does. He doesn't assume for this man. He asks, he listens. And what do you see when you see someone struggling? 
when you see someone struggling coming to you, what do, what do you, what do you, what do you uh, see? Do we start coming up with all the reasons that they got there? Like, oh, I know, if only you could have just hung on to that job. You had to lose it, right? Like, I know you, if you just got a job, you get your life together. Or, you know, they probably just have a mental problem. That's why they're here. That's it, you know? Like, just we, we assume that. Or they're probably just pretending in order to get something, right? That's what we think when we see someone that's a little less off than us. We judge, we assume, we think that we know. We think that we know. Or well, worst of all, we compare, right? We, we think the only reason you're there and I'm here is because I'm a little better, okay? Like we would never say that, but literally that is what we are thinking. If you want to go down deep, none of us will ever say it, but that's exactly what we're thinking. We think you made a bad choice and now you're suffering the consequences. Believe me, it's throughout the Bible that the people who followed Jesus thought the same thing. They would encounter people with disabilities and they would ask him, what sin did he commit? And you think like, that's ridiculous because we have science now and we know that they're just born that way, right? We do the same thing. We do the same thing with everything. When people's dealing with some sort of low point in their life, we think, what sin did they commit? What did they do to mess up and... Don't get me wrong, they probably did, but so did we, right? We're just, like, lucky enough to have a plan to fall back on or people that lifted us up, or maybe the consequences weren't as extreme because of God's grace. Like, whatever it is, but we look at others and we compare and say, you know, they did something worse. I'm a little bit better. And we think, for some reason, it's our own doing, right? I just think it's so crazy. Like, I like even, like, people who are not following Jesus, the Bible says that, God causes, causes the rain and the sun to go the same on them, right? But we, for some reason, think we're better, right? We're better for some reason. We, we, we don't understand that everything is a gift from God, that everything we have is His grace. There's literally nothing good that we've, we've done. We didn't get to pick where we were born. We didn't get to pick what kind of skin we have, right? We didn't get to pick uh, the family that we were given, Right? And all those things affect you so much you can't even understand. And we think for some reason we look down on someone and we say, hey, like, you know, that's, that's them. That's them. They're worse than us. And don't get me wrong. Each of us have personal responsibility for God. Right? Like God still holds us accountable to him even in the midst of that. But for us to judge someone else, right? That's between them and God. We judge other people and we use that to make us look a little bit better. Right? What does Jesus do? He sees this person, but he doesn't see a problem. He sees a person. He sees someone who's made in the image of God. He stops and listens. And how would we as the church be different if we were to stop and listen a little bit more? Right? To stop and listen a little bit more. As You know, to think that people's voices matter, that they're worth our time, because Jesus did. Again and again, people he disagreed with, he would listen to them. People that were so far off, he would listen to them. I think we have so much to grow in that as a church. I see Jesus. He sees people and he listens to them. And how does this man respond? Look, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Teacher, I want to see. Verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So two things happened. Number one, he got to see again, and then he also started following Jesus, okay? Like, that was what actually happened. This is the awesome part about Jesus. Not only does he see the man, not only does he listen to him, 
But he also does something. He does what he is able to do. He is able to do. Jesus heals people. Jesus heals people. A lot of people's circumstances are beyond our fixing, but not beyond Jesus. And maybe Jesus and his sovereignty, his, his control, he's like, you know, that's, that's what I have for you. But Jesus is able to do whatever he wants, right? Like he could have said, no, like you need to stay blind, but come and follow me. Right? But he heals him. He cares about him. He heals him. And how often do we assume that we can't do anything? Sure, we, uh, we can't just wave our hands and heal someone. But I want to call your attention to James chapter 5, verse 13. This is so interesting. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We see that the early church believed that God would heal people when they prayed for them. It was beautiful. I was watching, you can look up some of these videos of pastors that were like undercover, like acting like they were experiencing homelessness and they were sitting outside their buildings and people would come up and they would just start praying for him. Like, God, I just want to pray for this guy. And it was cool to see, like, the church was, like, really, like, following through on some of these things, right? Like, would, would actually believe, hey, we can make a difference. We can at least pray for this person. Some of, some of us are like, well, that's like nothing, okay? But literally, how many of you have ever gone and just prayed for someone? It was hilarious. I was, I was going to the, to the art museum right? And uh, <laughs> they, I had a day off and I was like, I'm going to go to the art museum. I haven't been there forever. And it was a free day. That was part of it. Okay. So I go there and as I'm walking in, there's a guy, he's like, can I, something, can I have a dollar? Can I have a dollar? And I was like, oh, sorry, man. I don't have any cash. And he's like, can you pray for me? Literally. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> so I came over and I just was like, oh, what's your name? And I'm just like praying for him for like five minutes out there. And it was awesome, actually. And I was just like hit by it. I'm like, man, this guy believes in prayer way more than I do sometimes. Right. Like this guy is just like, at least pray for me. Like I, he didn't know who I was. Right. <laughs> and I felt like God was speaking through him. To, to tell me, like, hey, I do have something I can do. Even if I don't have a dollar in my pocket to give, this is a human being made in the image of God. He deserves my time. I'm too busy. i got to get into the art museum, right? Like, you know, that's, that's what's going on. Or all of us, we got these, you know, maybe you have something way more important than the art museum, right? Like, whatever it is, you're going. I'm too busy. I don't think Jesus would ever blow someone off. Maybe that means your whole day is like stopped, like you don't get anything done. Would Jesus be happy with that day? I think he would. I think he would. <laughs> okay, and if you get nothing done in your life and that's all you do is go around praying for people, I think Jesus would be really, really pleased with your life. How about this? Hebrews 13, 16, do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with sacrifices God is pleased. I think of the early church talks in Acts 2 and Acts 4 about how they gave so much that no one had any need, right? I think sometimes we, we create like justifications and loopholes for why we can't give someone something. 
right? Like, <laughs> I found myself, I'm like, I don't want to carry cash because then I'm just going to lose it all, right? Like, that's what we do in our minds. And so I've been, like, trying to be more faithful. I'm like, I'm just going to carry some with me and be faithful if I, someone asks that I'll give them something without questions, right? Even though people are like, they're just going to go spend it on, right? Like, what is that for us to judge, right? Like it says, like, so I, in our small group, we were saying how in Hebrews it says, sometimes people are asking for hospitality, and they're actually angels, right? And we were talking about, like, why would God do that, send an angel to ask for hospitality? Maybe it's just, like, to test to see what you would do, right? Like, angel doesn't need your hospitality, right? But God's like, are you being hospitable? Same way that guy came into the church, right? We, we have so much to grow in. Maybe we could give to someone. Maybe we could give our time our energy, maybe our actual, our finances. I think of some of the things I was looking up, some of the things we waste money on. Did you know, if you own a car, you're in the top 18% of the world, okay? Only 18% of the world owns a car. And if you own two cars, it's like the top like 3% or something like that, okay? So to say like, I don't really got much, okay? (laughs) Like, well, let's get a little comparison. Or I love this, did you you all know what Candy Crush is? You know Candy Crush is worth $6 billion? $6 billion because of all the little in-app things, you know, like, like extra time or whatever. I've actually never played Candy Crush, but I was obsessed with Angry Birds for a while. Uh, but they have all those little like in-app things. I guess like Americans specifically spend billions of dollars a year on little in-app things to give you more lives, right? And someone's comment was like, well, why don't you turn off the phone? Then you'll get more life, right? We spend so much money on that. The other thing, someone was like, oh, we as Americans spend so much money on coffee. He's like, a 17 cents of coffee is costing us 450, okay? Like, we, are, we have so much disposable income, and we think compared to that person who gets Starbucks every day, like, I got nothing, okay? Or we, 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 we think that we have nothing. And you can go into, like, thinking about the lottery tickets and how much we spend on weddings. Like, it just gets nuts. And we think we don't have anything, right? So this morning I just want to close my goal with this is for us to see a different side of Jesus, not to be shamed by me or Jesus, right? Jesus isn't about that. He knows that doesn't bring anything in the end. It's like, man, shame is just like momentary change, right? We get shame, so then next time we see someone, we give them a dollar, right? But when we actually see Jesus' heart and allow that to change us daily, we become more like him. And that's really the goal of why we gather together here. We, we, we look at the scriptures like a passage and a story like this is because we want to become more like Jesus. We don't want our biases, the things that we, the world has corrupted us or we've gone too cold to, to become normal in our lives. We want our brothers and sisters, I want you guys to call that out in me, right? And I'm sorry for maybe the times that I haven't done that well, right? I think all of us have those moments by God's grace, I, I just pray that as a church, we would be able to love people better, to see people the way God does. People who walk on these streets, people that live next to us, who live in our buildings, we would see them as people made in the image of God. If you're here this morning and or watching online, and maybe you've been hurt by the church, or you're like, man, I don't think that's how Jesus sees me. I want to encourage you that it is. 
Jesus sees you as made in his image, so much so that he genuinely came down to save you, to save you. Corey talked about that. The, the rescue mission, we read it in the book that Kara read. The, this book is just a story. This Bible, right? It's just a story of God's plan to save you. So if you're here this morning, you want to talk with a pastor about that more, we'd love to pray for you. If you're online listening, we would love to pray with you. Just please send us a text, a comment. We will talk with you. Uh, and maybe if you're sitting here this morning and you've become cold towards others, you see people as a, like a, an obstacle or a problem, I, I want to just pray over you this morning that God would allow us to see people again as made in his image. Even the people that we are just so annoyed by, God would allow us to see them as his image bearers here on earth. And that'll start, that'll be the first start, right? If we can do that, that'll change everything. So let me just pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this beautiful day. Jesus, thank you for this passage, the story of how you lived. Jesus, it changes us. I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see people the way you see people. You would allow us to be changed by that. We would not become cold, God. Open our hearts. Open our hearts. I pray for anyone listening this morning, online, here in person. They're they're hurting because they feel like they're not seen by you, Jesus. I just pray that you would reveal to them that you love them, that you see them, that they are important to you. God, may they know you. May they know your grace, your blood has covered and rescued them. May we know that this morning. We love you, Jesus, and we just pray this in You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.